Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Ephrata Community Church Weekly Podcast, a conversation with our pastors and leaders meant to continue encouraging you to know God, know freedom, know purpose, and make a difference. Hey, Ephrata Community Church. Um, it's Jim. Glad to be here with Barry this morning. Uh, if you were a part of the last weekend services here, you had the privilege of hearing a little bit from Barry on this series that we're in on the seven stories of belief. The seven signs that John does. And first of all, I just want to start there. I know we, we, we might be beating this to death, but I always say this of all the ones he could have picked. For instance, the Gerasene demoniac. I feel, I feel like that should probably make the top seven. Yeah. John doesn't think it does. He actually no. puts changing wine. And then he has this beautiful story that you talked about, the, he, the healing at the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I, first of all, I just marvel at the seven that he chose. But yeah. I love the way you unpacked this one. Um, anyway, um, just glad for you to be a part of it, and here's some things that stood out. I'd love to hear your thoughts further on is, um, I have this phrase that the need is not the call. So here's Jesus walking into the pool, surrounded by need, mm-hmm. and he goes to one guy. You touched on it a bit. I love that point. Try to live by it. Right? Yeah, I thought it was helpful because, you know, we always talk about where he healed everybody to give everybody faith and expectancy, but... When we move to that, we want to pray for the sick. It makes you feel like we should be praying for a lot of people. And I think sometimes God just has one in mind for us to pray for, and he'll alert us if we do it. That's right. Yeah. It I want some to talk, pressure off. It does, and I want to talk about that for a little bit, because what the way I've been trying to think it through is, I love Jesus, I only do what I see the Father doing. Right. We know that his prayer life, mm-hmm. um, I believe more than anything, was just laden with, intimacy and words of knowledge for the day right like uh, at least that's <laughs> it, yeah. just as i'm reflecting on how does jesus know where to connect uh throughout the day with different people because he's surrounded by need and it's actually the more rare that it says he healed all right um he, he seems to be walking through his day with his eye open i think first an availability a general availability to, in the moment but also i wonder how many times jesus in the download in the morning knew that day who he's going to run into and who to, who to be a part of. Uh, I, think, I think he did. I think the raising of Lazarus, it, uh, I forget the wording, but it sounds like he knew something yeah. before he did it. Yeah. And then I he waits three days before he goes down, right? Exactly. Yeah. A few times he does that, it's like he knows. People that attach the, the miracles of Jesus to his divinity, they feel like, well, he knew this stuff because he was God. But I believe he laid that down. Philippians 2 talks about that. Mm-hmm. So that he did the miracles as a man, okay. which means he had to be a man with good hearing, good listening, and um, stay in touch with the Father. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. And I think that's important for our listeners to know that um, Barry has spent time, and I've appreciated about you. You are, you and sometimes Randy Clark just amaze me at how theologically grounded. It wasn't just that you had existential encounters that formed your theology, you then took it to scripture. You then compared it to the community of faith. And I just want to commend you. I mean, I rarely hear you speak where I'm like, if people had ears to hear, you are ticking off uh, hermeneutical and theological check boxes. Hmm. But at the same time, reminded that. that the edges are a little wild, right? There's, there's, there's study, yeah. and then there's just a part of this you just cannot be, you can't get it all, right? There are, and like even yeah, you said true. a couple times on Sunday, I caught you on Sunday, and you were like, I don't even have a response for why he healed or didn't heal that day. And I think that's refreshing to hear that 
we don't have this all figured out. And if we did, we'd be putting them in a box, yeah. right? Well, I, I like the teaching. The Word of Faith movement has helped a lot in bringing people to faith and mm. our confession is important. And yet, if it's presented as a tight package, I've seen people actually be scandalized by having a friend they prayed for that didn't get healed and then they feel like, well, is this stuff even true? Does it work? Does he still do it today? Or are they just hyping it up? So I like to bring in the fact that we have a solid biblical base, but also we don't understand why it's not always the way we expect it to be. That's right. I think the other thing too that I caught in your teaching and you just reiterated it there is Jesus healed out of his humanity. And I attempted to touch mm -hmm. on this a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about Jesus is not in the wilderness trying to win back the battle with the enemy over sovereignty. He's actually there yeah. trying to show us that a human being right. can win back authority that mm -hmm. had been lost or, you know, right. uh, and I just, I do appreciate that reminder that this is a lifestyle that's available to us. Um, yeah. We're not saying it's the easiest, just like anything starts as a discipline before it becomes an art form. Yeah. It's an available lifestyle. That comes through over and over. Yeah, it is. And I think um, maybe harder for us in the West because we don't live in the same worldview of the supernatural like mm -hmm. they may have or like the people in the East even today do. So it's, it's, a, uh, it's a process for us to learn that. I mean, I'm still... My teaching is way above where my experience level is. Yeah. That's, you know, we have to keep working at it. Well, it's the nature of an apostle. But all that to say, I, I do think you have some experience level. And one of the things we touched on is if we were giving advice, and in the Harvest Net School of Ministry, I, I do this, it's, it's hey, uh, you can't walk out in this automatically all the time. Like, start to listen for where the Father gives you mm -hmm. a hint or an inclination. And that's where the critical point of obedience comes on how often you continue to hear and how accurate you are. Right. Is, is take those early small responses and see what begins to happen. It is literally like training a muscle. It um, is. And we fail. In fact, I think the willingness to make a mistake is important because otherwise we won't try because we're afraid. Mm -hmm. Or if we do fail, then we feel like, well, that mustn't be our gift or it's not our calling or we just get discouraged and stop. Mm -hmm. I, had a, I had an experience one time where I gave a word of knowledge in a large room. I was praying for people, had a word of knowledge, and I turned and gave it to everybody, and it was stone silence. Mm -hmm. And it's really tempting to, it's sort of demoralizing. It's tempting to, to not, uh, you know, for your faith to drop and to not keep going, but I had to. I think we just have to be able to do that. That's right, that's right. Uh, the other thing that stood out to me, and again, I just want to do the disclaimer here. These might not have been Barry's favorite points of his teaching. They were my favorite. So uh, you get to, in a moment, share anything you want to reiterate or even that you didn't get a chance to touch on. You wish you would have had more time. But I think the other thing is I appreciated the story you told of when you were on a panel and you were pressed. Hey, Barry, you either have to, I mean, would you go to the doctors or would you... Mm pray for a healing and your wonderful response. And I think you joked a little bit about, was I being overly sarcastic or not? I don't think in the least at one level it was refreshing to me is you just simply said, well, yeah, I'd pray on my way to the doctors. And mm -hmm. so I do want to spend a little bit of time on that, that first of all, we're not a people that deny the power of the healing sciences. Right. You know, the, these, 
All this knowledge is released from God. The kingdom of darkness does not release <clears throat> healing sciences, right? right. Um, it just doesn't. Um, and so right. we do want to commend that. But also, I sensed in that, um, and feel free to comment to that if you want to, but I sensed in that, um, I know this, and maybe just speak for myself and speak out of my own experience. I have had to work through a frustration with the soft cessationist church I grew up in. Matter of fact, I would have rather have been hardcore cessationist. But when you're a soft cessationist, is oh yeah, you still believe the spirit's working, yeah. but you certainly mm. don't pursue it because right. it can get messy. Passion, words, passion, we're afraid passion. of the messy edges, mm-hmm. and to me, that gets yeah. too close to the parable of the talents, where Jesus is like, "I would rather having you full blown invest this thing yeah, right. than burying this thing that I've given you as a talent." And I just want to say this: that I do respect, and you and Kevin and some others have meant a lot to me to reminding us as if this is what we think it is, we have a responsibility to engage with it and to believe God in this area. And yeah. so want to commend you for it and tell you it was one of my other favorite points in what you presented. Yeah, I think I think there's been some drift and misunderstanding um, on what our commission really is. Mm-hmm. So and I used to see it as just sharing the gospel and took a bunch of evangelism classes. But... Um, Jesus was very careful in training his disciples to actually move in the healing and word of knowledge stuff that he did and then basically sent them out to do it. I think that's our call as well. So if that's true, it's important for us to learn. Plus, I don't know that most people in the world will come to faith without um, encountering God, either through a prophetic word or a healing or something like that. So for the sake of the Great Commission, I think we have to learn yeah, work I, on it. I do, and, and, and I want to embrace that fullness. Like you said, like you, you might have been trained that maybe evangelism was the nature of the commission. For me, uh, looking back, and no one formally did this, I just have to say it was my experience in my community was, mm. we lived by something that I call like a natural law approach to the world, natural theology, meaning, mm-hmm. hey, there's certain ways to live. If you live right, it results yeah. in positive things. The positive things results in witness. Right. When other people's lives are falling apart, they look to you to see what yours is like, and they want to respond to the fact that your life is better than theirs. It's just this kind of classic yeah. holiness stream approach. And and that's how I was more than subtly taught to be, that that was the commission, great commission to live like that. Well, and that, that would have been our approach you know when with the first church here first started friendship evangelism but we also believed that it had to be a there was a character and integrity and Christ-like aspect with it, which is true but if you, if you analyze the conversions in scripture a lot of them didn't know the speaker okay. they wouldn't have known their character they wouldn't know what they were like they didn't know their life that's a spot on and uh, we don't see a lot of friendship evangelism. I'm sure it was there, a build, build a relationship. I'm not knocking it. But what we see recorded for us is a lot of people coming to faith because of either a miracle they experienced or someone else that they knew. Yeah, and that, or they heard the story of it, right? Exactly. And then that created the attractional aspect to sit right. long enough. In other words, trust was extended because they heard the story. Right, yeah. And I just want to reiterate what, we just, what was just said there because... Uh, you say it so humbly, but yet I, I, I want it to come with the full import of the authority is we're not taking a shot at friendship evangelism. We're no. not taking a shot at holiness living. Right, no. But as we look at it biblically, right. they, feel, they feel like they would be the ways we think it's happening in the scriptures when really they're in a sense um, playing second fiddle 
mm-hmm. to truthfully in the Gospels, signs and wonders unto the hearing yeah. of the Word of God, right? And, right. Uh, and it, it's something we just want to reiterate, not because we're trying to position Effort a Community Church or a Harvest Nets as a better than option. We're just trying to be true to that which we've seen right. and seen the most fruit from. Yeah. Right. Now, here's the biggie. It's tough to live this, um, let's put it this way, it's tough to week in, week out, lead a community centered on the availability of God moving in our midst in signs and wonders. But I will also say this, he continues to show up in wonderful, profound ways. Yeah, I think it is challenging and stretching, and I include myself in that. At the same time, the traditional model of giving a gospel presentation, even if it's informal, yeah. requires a lot of boldness. Yeah. And... Um, we don't feel com- competent in our logic or our personality to persuade people. Mm-hmm. But a simple, I mean, I think one of the best testimonies in the Bible is all I know, the guy said, mm-hmm. was that I was blind and now I, yeah, see. I see. That's right. That's, that's not difficult for any of us to say that's God right. did something for us. That's right. And uh, that, to me, makes evangelism a little bit easier. Yeah. It's so funny you should say that because... We're holding an apologetics conference here this fall. Matter of fact, the Effort of Ministerium was asked, Effort of Community Church, would you please host it for us? Great. So in other words, it's in partnership with the Ministerium. And Kevin's turned to Dan, and Dan and I are working on it together, um, trying to build the format. And so I've taken time just to go and look at various way apologetic conferences are set up, or summits, whatever you want to refer to them as. And I, I, it's fascinating. You never find an apologetics conference that I can find that has signs and wonders as an apologetic. No, is that there, not fascinating? It's fascinating, but there should be one. Oh, well, I'm going to do because a session. There's a whole, I think there's a whole uh, vacuum in the apologetics that there is an apologetics for signs and wonders. There, yep, yep. yep. Uh, and it all depends on how you define apologetics. Some define it, and one stream of the church um, defines it as apologetics unto ever, like believers being confident. Um, right, right, that's valid. Well, and yeah. and uh, I, I leaned more towards uh, apologetics unto evangelism, right. the encounter. I, I with think that's the purpose. Should the soul, be the purpose, right? So. And and so that's why I'm like, man, if signs and wonders as apologetics is not something, I'm not reading my Bible correctly. Don't get me wrong. I love the arguments from beauty. I love the arguments from human flourishing. I love the arguments from uh, the reasonableness and the rationalness of mm. God. It's all gold, right? Mm. right. Uh, or the literary arguments that we see through Tolkien, Lewis, etc. But I will right. tell you this, I'm looking forward. So we're putting in a session on signs and wonders really? as an apologetic. Undergrad. Yeah, I, I just heard of someone recently, I think you may attend here, that does this. Yeah, well, someone started There's recently another conversation. Yeah, maybe, it'll be fun. And, but, and it's I, great. I, we are, we're, we're going to be inviting him. Now, let me just end with this, Barry. I always like to ask uh, those who've had the weekend to share, man, is there anything you wish you would have had more time to cover, didn't have a point to cover, or you want to look back. You know how it is when you get home sometimes as a speaker, you're like, oh, I wish I would have said that this way. Anything you'd go back, revisit? Um, no, I mean, I I, th- I I did just a little bit in the beginning, touching on Kevin's story from John 4, mm-hmm. where Jesus says, you people simply will not believe without signs and wonders. And I think that's been used to sort of make people feel like they shouldn't chase them. And if, if I ride a hobby horse regularly, this is the one. It is that um, is the importance of signs and wonders. That's right. If you look at it statistically of the conversions in Scripture, if you look at what Jesus did there, um, 
not relying on intellectual persuasion, but, but relying on just his compassion and love and his healing. Oh, I probably, I mean, I, I, love, I love that whole area, so. You better believe it. Matter of fact, uh, it's funny you should say that. Um, yeah, it's John 4, 48, where it says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Right. Uh, my Connect group last week, the Connect group Rachel and I are part of, we went through this passage, and hmm. we, we kind of did a Lectio Divina where we meditated on it. Mm -hmm. And two people in the group said, you know what, it's the first time I read it. Because in Lectio, someone has to read it out loud, and a different person reads it out loud. Mm -hmm. um, and they both read it with different inflection on there. Yeah. Some can read it with the inflection, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. Right. Versus, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. There's two different ways. Like one is an affirming approach. Right. Like, you'll need these things because they catalyze you. And so we spend a lot of time talking about Jesus, is his target audience there are people who were steeped in a religious system that mm. needed to be shocked out of it with mm. signs and wonders. Like, right. I give you signs and wonders because you need that as the catalytic first energy to even reframe, rethink what yeah. you've always believed. Um, so it was, a, I, I was arguing, I wasn't, we weren't arguing, but I was just suggesting that, man, Jesus is here reminding us that sometimes we just needed to get us started, get, get, get the listening. Yeah, I think he was stating the truth. I mean, I know the scriptures talk about blessed are those that believe that have not seen. Yeah. But I think he knew that logic, persuasion, personality was not the highest form, yeah. but, but believing the, the signs. Yeah. And they had 400 years without signs and without prophets before John the Baptist and Jesus came. So I think the population needed to know that this was God and needed to meet him. And that's I think right. that's what the miracles did. No, it was a wonderful, I think it was a wonderful presentation. We deeply appreciate what you bring every single time you bring it. And first of all, uh, I said this to Kevin last week. You guys are challenging me. You squeezed so much and you nailed it in the time frame. Kevin delivered a 19-minute sermon last week. Cause he did. I'm like, you both nailed it. I'm like, oh, shucks, in. I guess I got to start getting disciplined here. <laughs> you all inspired me in my speaking now. But anyway, I want to say thanks and really yeah, appreciate sure. all you do with HarvestNet. Wish we'd have time to talk about how great the HarvestNet Croatia trip was. We got Yeah, a, that was fun, wasn't it? Oh, man, it was a good, good one. Yeah, we, we had, uh, I think, what, a, over 100? Or was it approaching um, a little bit over 100? Yeah, it was a little over 100. It wasn't the year before we had around 200, but a lot of Albanians were there. So it was a little bit smaller than the year before, but it was good. Yeah, we con the, uh, it yeah. convened leaders from all across Europe. Um, matter of fact, a 30, think 25 or 30 nations were present in the room. Yeah, I've heard varying numbers. I should count. I think I originally said 20, and then there was a couple extras that, yeah. that I knew were there. So Yeah, I, I, I heard different numbers too, but all that to say, just an incredibly wonderful time of seeing what God's doing in that regional world. And also, seeing the, there's nothing more beautiful to me right now where, you know, I spend a lot of time in missiology. What is the role of the Western Church in mm -hmm. missions right now, right? With the rise of the uh, church around the world is, and it was just such a beautiful co-facilitation of what took place. Um, I just want to commend HarvestNet for that view mm -hmm. of raising up indigenous leaders and just sowing into what God's doing through them already. Yeah. And I think it was a perfect, perfect, perfect example of how to do it. So. Yeah, well, I think I think Europe's time is coming, and we're we're seeing some early signs of awakening and growth. Yeah. Still a lot of work to do, but yeah. it's good. It's stir. It's wonderful to see the stir. Anyway, we appreciate you all, and we trust you have a great week. Hey, thanks again for joining us today. We hope that you've been encouraged by listening, 
You can listen to previous episodes, find additional resources, and of course, learn more about us at effortacommunitychurch.com. Effortacommunitychurch.com